Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number seven in what I believe is a great series called Mercy and Grace, the Power and the Glory of God. Now, listen, today we're going to be talking about the grace continuum. Now, the concept of a continuum is absolutely essential in understanding biblical truth. Now, you don't have to know the definition of the word continuum. You just have to be aware of the concept and understand how that concept is used throughout uh, a biblical teaching. You know, one of the really interesting thing is the Holy Spirit shows many different ways to express the Word of God. There are many different figures of speech used throughout the Bible. Amazingly, uh, the Hebrew and the Greek use over 200 uh, different figures of speech to help us grasp concepts. You say, well, why would God use that many different types of figures of speech? Well, the, the problem is there are so many things that there are no actual words to explain. In other words, uh, they can be grasped in the heart. They can be understood when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us, but we never can come up with some really dogmatic opinions uh, and interpretations uh, Really, when we're following the Holy Spirit, we come more into understandings of function and application. And sadly, people are not looking for function and application because so many people read the Bible with absolutely no intention of ever putting it in practice. They're not looking for how to live. They're looking for information, I guess, to win religious arguments. I, I, I don't know. But one of the things you want to realize, see, God loves people. And as we have talked about a little bit in the principles of the macrocosm, microcosm, uh, we start realizing that God is not as complicated as we have made him out to be. Now, he, he probably is incredibly complicated in some sense, but so much of what God does, particularly in the lives of human beings, is so easy to understand if we will just let the scripture speak for itself, and particularly it's easy to understand when our, our utmost goal is, uh, is application, is to know how to live, not just, not just have a bunch of, of, of definitions. So based on the concepts of microcosm, macrocosm, we discovered, and by the, if you haven't listened to those messages, go back. They're on our website. You can go back and listen to all the messages in this series over and over again, as many times as you like. But you start understanding that uh, God does everything pretty much uh, the same as far as following certain patterns. And the way we understand God more than any other way is not by coming up with static definitions as much as we identify the patterns whereby God works in our life. So once we figure out certain patterns, then we know how everything works uh, in certain areas. For example, everything God does 
in our lives, he does in a continuum. Now, the problem is uh, we don't recognize many times where God is referring to a continuum because we've already made up our mind how we're going to interpret it, how we want to preach it, how we want to share it with people, how we want to win the argument with people. We've already decided, you know, how that's going to happen. And so, uh, so we're really not open to understand anything beyond the, uh, uh, the one-dimensional uh, definitions that we have of words. And you know what, man, I'm a stickler for definitions, but you never stop at definitions because definitions uh, of individual words always lead you into sentences, patterns, structure, and, and those sorts of things. Now, Jesus used the, uh, the concept of the continuum, I think, in some of his most powerful teaching ever. Because remember, Everything that God does, he does in, in and through our hearts. That's one of the first things we have to realize. We can learn, we can we gain information, knowledge with our mind, but it is never what happens in our mind that actually affects our life. Our mind is the beginning step toward developing beliefs of the heart. And when we develop beliefs of the heart, then our our sense of identity changes. And really not just our sense of identity, but literally the power to live in a new identity changes because of what we actually believe in our heart. But, you know, Jesus preached probably his most powerful sermon in the New Testament starts in Matthew 5, verse 1, with what we call the Beatitudes, and it ends at the end of chapter 7. And that is one long sermon. And in this sermon, Jesus, he teaches us things that are so essential for walking in faith, for, for taking hold of the promises of God, and that sort of thing. So he teaches a continuum, uh, or the concept of a continuum, and he uses two very well-known uh, concepts or processes to teach us about the continuum. And he teaches us about murder, and he teaches us about adultery. Now, those are two concepts that, that people can grasp, that, that they can understand. And so the concept of adultery, he talks about the fact that if a man looks on a woman to lust after her for the purpose of creating this, this desire, it says that he commits murder. Uh, in his heart. Now, I want you to understand this. This is this is so crucially important. If you'll go to the book of James, you know, we don't have time in, in this short space that we have here today to break out all this, but go and look at the book of James. It talks about how that uh, 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 sin is conceived. It starts with lust. It starts with desire. And then it moves from desire to conceiving it in our heart, and it moves from that to an, to an action. And uh, and it's really important to go look up all the places that talks about lust. You know, lust itself is not sin. Lust is just desire. It is the desire to gratify any one of the different um, uh, lusts of the flesh. But now we can have a lust of the flesh. We can have a desire. 
And we can let that, if we have faith toward God, we trust God, not faith where I'm going to try to make God do something, but if I actually trust who God is, I trust what he says about himself, I trust his character and nature, then, then I know that God is good and God is only good. And therefore, I don't have to go to the world system. And the Bible very explicitly points out the fact that it is when we go to the world. Uh, you know, the Apostle John says, all, you know, all that's in, in the world is the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. So when we go to the world's system, the world philosophies, what the world teaches, how the world defines success, and all those kinds of things, when we go there to find a way to gratify a desire of the flesh. Well, you know, you got, you got your, your sight, you got your smell, you got your hearing, you got your taste, you got your touch. And so basically, those, those are the five senses. And uh, where am I going to go to gratify those? Am I going to gratify those? By the way, then you add to that the less the eyes and less and the, the, the pride of life. And then suddenly now you've got a, you've got a deadly trio that uh, if you seek to fulfill it outside of just walking with God, living in his promises, it will, you will have to turn to the world system. You will always then uh, gratify the lust of the flesh. And what starts out as just a natural desire will consummate in sin. And that sin always brings death on some level. Doesn't mean you just fall over dead. You know, uh, we used to do a skit in our church uh, where uh, it'd be in the Garden of Eden and uh, uh, the man, you know, Adam and Eve were living in paradise and then they got a desire and then they rationalized how to fulfill that desire. And, and they did feel the desire and they ate of the, you know, the tree of, of, of the knowledge of God. And, uh, and then they would look at each other startled and they would start dancing around going, and they would be sitting there, we didn't die, we didn't die. And so, you know, the idea that you would, that you would commit a sin and just fall over dead uh, was part of the deception. That's part of the, the deceitfulness of sin is that you don't just fall over dead, but what does start happening, remember, death is a separation. So what does start happening, you start feeling a sense of separation from God because of, your, because of how your conscience affects you. And because you have that sense of a separation from God, you start living like you're separated from God. And, and then that whole thing takes you down a path where you've already experienced death. You've already experienced the false separation from God. And then you go from that to, to where you have death in your emotions. You have, so you have a separation of the Holy Spirit uh, being able to speak into your heart. And you just you start dying by degrees. And then ultimately, you really do physically die eventually uh, because, because of giving into some kind of sin. So, so Jesus is talking about this continuum that starts with a desire and that ends with death. Now, Understanding the continuum, I have this incredibly simplistic way of explaining the continuum to people in a way uh, that is easy to understand because a continuum would be uh, where uh, the basic, let's say if it's, if it's about, a, about a temptation, the basic desire never changes and it actually doesn't get stronger. All that changes is the environments 
where there's a high probability that you might, uh, that you're going to fulfill, fulfill the, that lust, that desire that you've got. So, so um, one of the ways I use to describe this is using H2O. Now, many times I'll be doing a meeting and I'll say, hey, uh, how many of you know what H2O is? They're like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, and I'm like, okay, what is it? And, you know, whoever I pick is going to say, H2O is water. I'm going to say, well, that's sort of right. The problem is H2O is not always water. Sometimes H2O is water, but sometimes H2O manifests in a different form. Now, oh, man, I, I mean, if you've read the Bible much, you start thinking about how that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You say, wait a minute. So, so that's kind of that, that's kind of a continuum in that, and that you know, uh, this this wicked murder manifests differently than he really is. Well, that's that's what happens in a continuum. So just let's let's pretend like that H two O is a representative uh, formula, if you will, for what actually becomes creates the continuum from between sin and death. And so let's say that uh, let's say that water just just experiencing something from water. Matter of fact, let's go. Let's even go beyond that. Let's let's say that when you get to the basic concept of H2O, that you're experiencing steam. We're going to use steam because steam does not represent something tangible that you can touch and feel. This is where there's just some kind of thought going on in the mind, and you're miles away from. Uh, um, taking action on, on this thought. And so I, I think steam is a great representation of a thought. Now, so let's say then that you continue in this thought. Now, now you could deal with this. You could immediately send this away from you. And if you do not know how to send away temptation or send away these types of thoughts, uh, you need to go through my materials because we teach you what the Bible teaches about what, what the Bible calls put off, put on, put off the old man. You know, you're my pill new man. That's the only biblical basis for transformation in the entire New Testament. And it's amazing. Nobody uses it. Everybody goes and gets counseling. They get demons cast out of. They go do all these things, but they never do what the Bible actually told them to do. That is put off the old man, renew the mind, put on the new man. That's it. And uh, I got some incredible teaching for that for free on our on our website. Got serious about it. I'll walk you through this whole process. So anyhow. So you got steam, and so that means you're really just thinking about. It. But let, let's say you don't send this away, but instead you start kind of feeding your imagination, and you get to the place where you're not just imagining, the, but you're imagining it for the purpose of lusting after it. And so, so now when you think about it, is getting more into kind of a thinking about it and arousing yourself or getting yourself somewhat stimulated by thinking about it. And so, you know, what our tendency is, because as believers, it's amazing how little of the Word of God that we, that we really believe. But uh, as believers, very often, it's like, I, I don't want to commit the sin, but I want to get as close to it as I can. So I'm going to get as close to the fire as I can get without getting burned. And so over time, I keep pondering, I keep pondering. So now I get, 
I get into a different environment. And so now what started out just as a temptation, just as a thought, I have entertained this and I've pondered really until I kind of reached the level of meditation. And now the environment changes. I'm not just thinking about it. I'm now meditating on it. And now this steam starts manifesting as water. So now I, I didn't do anything. I didn't go out and physically do anything differently, but I put myself into, into a different environment. Now, by the way, the word meditation is kind of interesting because the Bible tells us we should meditate and we should meditate on the word of God. And there's a lot of things that we should meditate on. So if I'm meditating on the word, of God, what does that mean? It means I'm thinking about it. I'm pondering it. I'm imagining it until I experience it as being real. For example, if I'm meditating on the promise of God to, for healing, then I think about this and ponder it until I'm imagining and emotionally experiencing uh, me, me actually getting healed and what it feels like to get healed. And, and, and I sort of have all the emotions that are associated. When you sort of having all the emotions that are associated with something, and you're just thinking about it, you're meditating, and you'll just think about all the times you go back and remember somebody that you're mad at. You start remembering what they did to you before long. You're experiencing those emotions before long. You're, you know, you're getting angry. And so you have, you have now created a different environment. And the environment is not one where the thought just passes through your head. The environment now is that you hold on to that thought and you entertain that thought until you start creating uh, the emotions that are related to that thought. And many people will meditate about adultery. They will meditate about some kind of immorality, or they'll meditate about something they're angry about until they get to the place to where they are having the gratifying emotions of actually giving into this. So that, that they've changed environments, and what, what, what started out as steam now becomes water. Now, if you continue to ponder this, and and, and now you want to kind of take this to a little bit more, you know, a little bit closer to an actual action or activity. You think about it and the environment changes again. And so let's say now it changes into, let's say snow. You know, snow is a solid, uh, but it's, it's, it's more airy and fluffy than a solid. And so it's just, it's getting closer to being a solid, but it's not a solid. So this doesn't mean you're actually going out and committing this adultery or going out and actually committing murder or whatever it is that, that you are thinking about. But remember, in a continuum, when the environment changes, you start experiencing whatever it is that you're thinking about, whatever it's you're imagining, you start thinking about it different way. Oh, let me mention this just before I move on. You know, I have an incredible uh, six-hour series that you can download on Mercy and Grace that goes into detail that, honestly, we just don't have enough time to cover in this format. I cover as much in these uh, free video formats as I possibly can. And for some people, it's all they need. You know, bam, got it. But for some people, it's like, you know what? I am serious about being a disciple. I want to understand more and more and more about applying these truths in my life. So I always make an audio uh, version to support the, the video version. So if you're interested, then tonight, right now, you can download the uh, audio version of Mercy and Grace 
the glory and the power of God. And you can begin actually researching this. And I cover a lot of material in the audio that I don't cover uh, in the video. And I cover a lot of material, material in the video that I don't cover in the audio. I do that because I want to give you as much as I possibly can. I don't just repeat the same material in the audio as, as I do in the video. I'm, I'm wanting to help equip you. So, so, so now we're at the place where we've got snow. Snow means it's getting a little closer to being solid, but it's really not a solid, a solid representing what we actually uh, do when we commit some, you know, some temptation. So, so now I'm continuing to think about, but, but maybe now I'm adding something extra. You know, maybe if you got a sexual problem, then maybe this starts getting into a masturbation and you're, you're imagining uh, having sex with somebody, but the difference is you're adding the physical stimulation, or maybe you start watching uh, uh, nudie movies on television or porno or whatever. So, so, so now you're moving yourself more and more to an actual real experience that happens. Now, here's the amazing thing. You can sit down with a person in counseling, and I know I've been in the ministry 50 years, you can sit down with a person in counseling. I'm telling you, they will look you in the eye and swear. Now, I've never actually done this. I've never given into it. Well, no, yes, you have. If you have given into it in your imagination, if you have given into it by, by physical stimulation, if you have given into it in any shape, form, or fashion, then you have, you have given into it. And re remember, the Bible teaches, Jesus said that when you commit these acts in your heart, you're guilty of them. And so we, we don't understand why our life is getting worse and worse, why we're getting more and more unhappy, but, but we are, and we are because on some level, we are committing adultery or committing murder or committing some other heinous act uh, through our imagination and through stimulating ourselves. And so, so we're moving along the lines of a continuum where the experience to this is getting more and more as if it's something that we are actually giving into. And uh, so, so now we're to the place to where we've got snow, we got, we, we got an experience that is almost, almost real. Now, if I, if I had the time, I would, be, I would probably go through ice and, you know, a sleet and different things. But let's say for the sake of time, they say then the next stage would be ice. It wouldn't be sleet. Uh, it wouldn't be uh, a, you know a, a semi a slushy frozen ice. Now it's ice. Ice is a solid. We start out with a gas that represents something non tangible that is going on our mind. Now we reach the state of ice, which means that it is now happening in our mind. We are now giving ourselves over to this physically. And, you know, you know, David did this, you know, the, the King David, he would go up on the top of his house and, uh, uh, you know, he looked out across and he, and you know, the balconies or the roofs of people's houses were really where they spent their leisure time. And of course, this is where they bathed many times. And, you know, he, how many times did he go up and look out across the way and from his, the top of his house, he could see the top of Bathsheba's house and he could see her down there bathing. And so he kept, he, this kept growing and growing and growing in him. Then eventually, you know, uh, 
you know, he called her over, he invited her over. And then eventually they had sex and she got pregnant. And then eventually he arranged to have her husband murdered. And so, you know, David never planned to end up committing adultery. He never planned to end up uh, uh, having uh, Bathsheba's husband murdered, but he did. And see, that is the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin is that it hardens your heart. And, you know, when you jump in, you never know how it's going to affect you. And you never know where it's going to end. You don't know how far this is going to go. And, you know, David, the rest of his life, every rebellion that he had in, in his kingdom from that point forward was the result of his adultery with Bathsheba and uh, her, uh, her husband's uh, death. And so it, it affected him forever. And this was the justification that people used to attempt to get him out of office. And they use it over and over and over again. So, so when we start down this, we convince ourselves, we rationalize how everything's going to come out. I, you know, I talked to a man one time and, and um, uh, he, he, he was a preacher, and a pastor, and he got involved with a black lady in his church. I'm not saying that to in any way make her look worse than him, but I'm saying it because it's very significant because he said, you know, that he started looking at her as his African princes. And, 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 and he said, you know, he said, I was so deceived. And this was in, in, in the Southern United States where, you know, where there would have been great conflict if a white man and a black woman, you know, were, were found out to be having an affair together. He said, I got into such a state of personal deception where I could have been having sex with her in the middle of the mall. And I would have thought that nobody noticed. See, it's amazing how the heart can deceive us. And that is the deceitfulness of sin. And then the more, the harder and harder and harder your heart gets, the more open that you are to God. So when you get down here to the place where steam has now become ice uh, and, and you commit adultery and, and, and it wrecks your whole life, it wrecks your finances, you lose your family, you lose your marriage, and, uh, you know, and, and you never planned to get there and you never even believed that you would get there, but you're more and more deceived and you become more and more self-destructive uh, with every single step that you take that moves you closer and closer and closer to action. So just like there is a continuum that starts with uh, sin and ends in death, there is a continuum that actually starts with faith and ends uh, in, in grace and ends in the power of God, ends in the righteousness of God. And so, so next week, we're going to go into the continuum of righteousness because I want you to know how to come out of this, how to get out of this uh, supernaturally without destroying your life, how to experience grace and mercy in your time of need. And you know what? This is something everybody needs to hear. So be sure and share this with everybody you can. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. 
Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.